everyone. Have a seat. Yes, what a great day to be in the, in the Lord's house and to worship together. And uh, it's starting to maybe feel like spring. Yesterday I wore shorts and a short sleeve shirt. Wow. Wow. Because you were doing lacrosse. Uh, lacrosse and, yeah. yeah. Lacrosse and d- disc golf. And disc golf. What about you? Are you, you, you? Do you do shorts? Yeah. Was it a short day yesterday for you? Not yet. <laughs> really close, though. Real close. Really, really. Yeah. I, for me, I start wearing sandals at this time of year. I love sandals. Birkenstocks. Not Birkenstocks. Keens. Anyways, enough of that chit-chat. Um, I'm so glad you guys are all here. It's good to see your shining faces. Um, we do have a couple of quick announcements. Um, that's the first one. There's a prayer group in person here um, on Tuesday at 7 p.m. Come and join us. Um, even if you don't say anything, but you, your, your presence is, it helps, is a blessing. All right, next. Let's eat. April 30th, next Sunday, is our fifth Sunday potluck. The theme is international. So if you don't know, what we do is every fifth Sunday, we, have a, uh, we get together, and we just have a potluck after service. And it's, um, there's usually a theme, and this, this, this time it's going to be international. So maybe it's Mexican food, or maybe it's Greek food. I don't Could be all kinds of different options. Lots of different options, and part of that meal, um, we're also going to have the Gideons coming and, and giving us a little talk about what they do. So um, it'll be a great time after the service next week. If you, if you forget, that's okay. You can still join. There's usually plenty to eat, but this is the time to crack open those, those cookbooks and try something new, something that's international. Coloring group um, ne- is tomorrow, tomorrow at 7 p.m. here at the church. If you, uh, this is, this is, this is for you if you need, if you have stress in your life and you need to get rid of some. That's what the coloring group is really good for. Or you just need socialization because you, you know. Some of us need a lot of socialization. Yeah. yeah. Next. Is that all of them? Oh, yeah. Just wanted to remind you that there are three different ways to give. Um, if you, uh, uh, there, there's texting. There's a number that you can just simply text that number. You can also, you know, obviously the two drop boxes on the outside, or you can mail a check in and have your bank set that up. That's what we, per, my family does, is we just have the bank just set it up and they just send a check every month. So those are our three, three announcements. I think that's all of them, right? That's all of them. All right, so today we're continuing in, in Ephesians and we're, we're, we're moving forward. We're starting to look at, at verses 11 through 22 and uh, the basic idea has to do with that we, when we become a Christian, you, you join a group. You're part of a, you're part of a, a lineage. You, you, the idea of being an individual Christian is not, does, is not compatible with biblical Christianity. That's not how God looks at it. You're part of, it's not like you can, you, you're, you're part of the people of God. You're, you, you join in that. And as such, you represent them, and they represent you, and they, you have a long history that you are a part of. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a grounding to your faith, and there's a grounding to your life that, that stretches, straight, stretches back and wide all over the world. So, we're going to be talking about that as we look, begin to look in Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. Let's pray. 
Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence today and to worship you. And we praise you. And we thank that. Thank you for, for being able to, uh, for, for rescuing us, for saving us. We just pray that this is a blessing to you and it's a blessing to us as, as we come together and worship you. You are so worth it. You're so worth giving us, us giving you everything we have. Thank you for what you've done for us in Jesus' name. Briefly, Lord, just thank you for, for laughter as a, uh, a natural expression of joy. That, um, Lord, that we would find ways to laugh more and to express joy more and in that demonstrate how grateful we are and how, um, how much we do enjoy all the blessings that you, that you uh, pour down upon us. Thank you, Father. Amen. Oh. All right, take your seat and let's pray. <coughs> Father, um, when we sing, build your kingdom here, we, we're longing for, for earth to reflect what it's like in heaven. And when we see the brokenness in the world, in our community, and hopefully in ourselves as well, that none of us through, through our own efforts is ever going to be what justifies our salvation. It's only through your son Jesus and his sacrifice. So let us give grace to our own brokenness and give grace to our world and community and just ask ever more vigilantly for you to transform all of us, that we can be better reflective of you and your love in this world. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this, for bringing us here, that you've, uh, in, in your providence, have, have brought us all together, that you've called us to yourself, you've brought us near to yourself. Thank you for your word. In a world that is, in, it is increasingly difficult truth to tell truth from lie, what is real and what is fake, um, at least we know that is real and that is true. To that end, Lord Jesus, you know, I, I, I I'm so thankful that you've given us your spirit that we might understand the word. I pray that you would work in, in each of our hearts and our minds, in my words, that we would understand it. Spirit, be living and active among us today. Piercing, dividing, clarifying. For your glory, George Jesus. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Slide change error. Ooh, let's see if it works today. All right. Brought near. Um, one of the things that, that we hear often, and it's something we certainly need to hear in our, in our own pushback, particularly in our American culture and Western culture, is the idea that you can be an individual Christian. 
Now, uh, on one hand, the, the, the press in that direction that everybody individually must choose Jesus is biblical, absolutely. But, but we, we take that so far is that we think that we can live our Christian life by ourselves, that we are a church in of, our, of one. And that, 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 that idea is so antithetical to what the Scripture has. You're not, you can't be a Christian of, of one. You're a part of a family. You're part of a household. You're part of a people. You're part of a, uh, the kingdom of God. And that's what we're going to see in these next couple of verses. Now, it, it, it's a long passage. It's, it's a complicated passage. Um, now, looking at it, here's, here's, here's the core sentence in this, whenever we're looking at, at letters of like Paul or Peter or something like that, that genre, you have to follow the, the train of thought because that's, that's just how it, that, that style of writing works. And so for, for that, what you need to be looking at, who's the subject, who's, who's the object, where's the verbs, so you can understand what is being said. Now, if you're talking about like a story, a narrative, you're looking at plot, or you're looking for the characters, what, how do the p- characters change, what are they dealing with, those are the kinds of questions you deal with that. If you're looking at poetry, then you're looking at figures of speech, you're looking at patterns, and that sort of stuff, but we're in a letter, and Paul is making an argument, it's kind of a logical reasoning thing, this, so you look at theirs, and therefores, and that sort of thing. And, and in this section, which is technically one single sentence from 11 to 22, here's the core sentence. Here's the core. But you, but now in Christ, you, the you is described in verses 11 and 12, um, who were once far off, which is what's being described in verses 11 and 12, have been brought near, and he's going to explain what that means, which is really the opposite of being far off, and by what means? By the blood of Christ. And then he takes the next couple of verses here to explain what he's talking about, how the blood of Christ specifically does that. But this is the core sentence. And today I'm primarily going to look at what does it mean to be far off and being brought near? Now, now, what does it mean to be far off? What does it mean to be brought near? Now, this piece, how it's accomplished... And, and a little bit of the, the implications of that we're, we're going to save for another day. I'm going to talk a little bit about how it's accomplished. I mean, the simple answer is, of course, Jesus did it, and by he did it through his death on the cross. Through the de- and when, he, when Paul usually is talking about the blood of Christ, he means both the death and the resurrection. It's, it's a shorthand of dealing with that. But for right now, the main thing I want to look at is wh- what does it mean to be far off? What does it mean to be brought near. And so let's start with what does it mean to be far off? That's the phrase in this text. And he begins by saying, therefore, based on everything he's just said, essentially saved by grace, not of yourselves. This is a gift of God. You didn't earn it. There's nothing you, you did not deserve the blessings that you have in Christ Jesus. And he's been talking individually. One through 10 is all about who you are, who you were in in the world outside of Jesus individually and how you were saved individually and what that means for you individually. And now he's making a flip and saying, now, now he's going to talk about 
what are you, who are you as a people group, as a group. He, he, and he, this, this, this idea of you, we has been traced through this, this entire section. He's been making a distinction between Gentiles and Jew. If we were to go back in verse 1, at 1 through 3, he's gonna, you can see there's a you and a we, a you and a we. And we're going to see it in here in these verses too. The you he makes explicit in verse 11 that the you is Gentiles, non-ethnic Jews. All the other different types of races in the world other than the Jewish people. That's the you, and he's, he's, the Ephesians are Gentiles versus the we, which are Jews. Therefore, remember, think about that, and you need, to, you, need to, you need to keep in mind something. And he talks about that you, at one time, were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made by flesh of the hands. So let's just deal with this phrase. Right. Now, this idea of circumcision, for it, it, some of you who've been around the church have probably heard this a lot, but where does it come from? Where's this idea of the, the, the circumcision come from? Where it starts with, with Abraham in Genesis 17. Um, God has made multiple promises to him. They've, they're, they're, that through, through Abraham, the world is going to be blessed. And he says in 17 that, that he's, that he's going to make an agreement, a covenant specifically between God and him, Abraham and all of his offspring after him. And what it is is that every male among you will be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. Snip, snip. And it shall be a sign of the covenant, a physical sign of the agreement that God has made with Abraham regarding all the promises between Abraham and God. That the, this marks out Abraham's family. That through his children will the blessing of the world come. And he continues, he says, He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout, throughout your generations were born in your house, so biologically yours, or brought in or bought with your money from a foreigner who is not your offspring. So non-biologically related can become a part of the family, but they've got to go through this. They've got to accept uh, the, the, the promises that Yahweh is their God, and they have to, to have this sign of the covenant that says, I really do belong to the line of Abraham. If a stranger shall show, and, this, and the, as you can see here in Exodus 17, again, people who are born outside of Abraham's family can become a part of the family, can be part of the people, can be part of the Jewish nation by, by, by going through this, as we can see here. If a stranger, a non, someone who's moved from another place here, shall sojourn, live there, between, and, and, and wants to keep the Passover, wants to become, uh, uh, um, 
part of the Jewish faith, then let, let his males be circumcised. Then he may come near. See, Paul's not randomly using this phrase, come near. It's the idea of being entering into a deep, connected relationship, not just with God, but also with all of the promises, and keep it. And he shall be as a native of the land. But if you're not circumcised, if you're not part of the people of God, you can't, you can't even eat the Passover. Right. And this is what Paul is getting at here. So remember at one time, you Gentiles, you were Gentiles of the flesh. You are not biologically Jewish. You are not a part of God's family. You're not part of the nation. You're not part, you have no heirs to that. And, and that's what he's getting out here. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm getting ahead of myself. You're Gentiles of the flesh. By what is called the uncircumcised, and called the uncircumcised, or the uncircumcision, by those who are called the circumcision, which is made by flesh of the hands. Now, why is he pushing this whole point? Because there was a, there's a, there's an idea, there's a move, there was a movement in early Christianity that, um, that said that to be a believer, to be a part of God's family, to be saved, you had to get circumcised if you were not Jewish, I mean, because if you're Jewish, you already are, to be, to be a part of the, 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 the nation, to be a part of the family of Abraham, the, the children of Abraham, to be part of, the, to, to have participate in, the, in the, the promises of Abraham, you have to be Jewish, and, you ha- and that means you have to be circumcised. But Paul is making this distinction that you Jews, are, uh, the Jews are calling these, these Gentiles uncircumcised, and he makes this, this distinction by flesh of the hands, meaning people did it. And this, this, this presses a little bit of a point which we're going to come back to, but there's, Paul is, you're already starting to see this distinction here that Paul is subtly suggesting that there is a circumcision that's made by people, by hands, physically, and then there's a different kind. And he alludes to this in Romans chapter 2. For no one is a Jew, he is merely, merely, I should have highlighted that, one outwardly, that is physically, right? That you can pull down the pants and check. Nor is circumcision outward and physical. Instead, one is a Jew, is one who is inwardly and circumcision in the heart. So, what Paul is both, in both these places, he's, he, he's making this, this distinction between being circumcised internally, that is, declaring that I really am a part of God's family, I really am an heir to Abraham by my faith, by what's going on inside here, versus merely an external thing, a ritual thing. He's making that distinction, that you can, you can, you can be different, that, that, that while there's a benefit to, out, to outward, but that's not the critical thing. And as I continue here, 
and you're circumcised. Well, hear me read it again. Who, but, but a Jew is one who is inwardly circum, matter of the heart and is done by the spirit, not the letter of the law. That is by, by the commandment. So there's a, there's a not by the hands of man, but by something else, by the hand of God. And so, we can see here, back to Ephesians 2, those who are, who, who are, who are, Jew, who are Gentiles by birth were at one time separated from Christ. You don't have Jesus. You're, 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 you're not a part of Christ. Well, that's obvious. Talking about this union of Christ. But what that means is being alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. And we know what alien is. We use it in our politics all the time. We just usually put the word illegal in front of it. It's residents of a, of a, of a country who have no, who aren't supposed to, have any rights or privileges or standing. They're, they're, they live there, but they're not a part of the nation. They're just there. That's what an alien means. In commonwealth means it, it, it's a nation state. That's what that means. It's a political entity not part of the commonwealth of Israel, and they are strangers to the promises. The, 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 the promises of God do not apply to them. And thus, they have no hope, and they are with God, because all of the hope for the human race comes through the seed of Eve, through the seed of Abraham, and then on down through. The only hope for the human race is in the promises of Abraham. And so, if those, if those promises of hope don't apply to you, you have no hope. And God is the God of that covenant. So, if you're not part of that covenant, you don't have God either. So, this is the picture of what he's getting at when he's talking about being far off. You're not part of, the co- you're not part of Abraham's family. You, you, the, 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 there's no hope because none of the promises apply to you. You don't have God. You're far off. You're an alien? Oops. Why is it not? There we go. You're an alien. You're a stranger. You have no hope. You have no God. This is what he's getting at. Briefly, the promises, what kind of promises? It all goes back to Abraham. Genesis 12. God saying to Abraham, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great. So that you will be a blessing, you, Abraham, will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse, and to him who dishonors you or curses you, I will curse you. And in you, or through you, by the means of you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. All the different nations of the world will will be blessed in him. Now, that's, these promises are later on going to be, you know, going to continue to be said. And, and he says here in Genesis chapter 15, God reiterates that promise to Abraham, but he makes a little bit of a twist here. And he, said he, and he brings Abraham out and he says, look, look outside, look at the heavens, look at all the stars. I think about this every time when I look at the stars, this verse. Look at the heavens. Can you number all the stars? Well, obviously not. If you're able to number them, then he said, so shall your children, your offspring be, right? And, and, and Abraham believes this pro- the promises of God. 
and so he's counted righteousness. Now, Paul is going to make a big deal out of this, that this happens before chapter 17, before he's circumcised, so that Abraham is, is, is the father of people who are physically sanct- uh, uh, circumcised and those who are not. He's both. This promise later on gets to, gets to Judah. The scepter will not depart from Judah until a ruler's staff between his feet. And it comes to him who... It belongs, and the obedience of the nations will be his. Right? So, so it goes from Abraham, it goes from Eve to, to Abraham, and from Abraham to Isaac, and then to Jacob, from Jacob, which is also called Israel, to, to Judah here, and then later on it's going to go to, to David. And Psalm 80, 89 describes that a little bit. You can find the, the actual uh, covenant in Psalm 2 Samuel chapter 2, 7, 2 Samuel 7. And, and where, where he, but here 89 comments about it, where he says, you have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have cho- sworn to David, my servant, and I will appoint him, that is his children, child, his specific child, to be my firstborn, the most exalted of all the kings of the earth. And I will maintain my love to him. This is, all this is pointing to Jesus forever. And my covenant with him, Jesus, will never fail. And I will establish his line forever, his throne, as long as the heavens endure. Now, later on, that's going to get modified. God's going to say, okay, there's a new covenant coming that's a fulfillment of these. And we can see it's called the new covenant. We're going to, it's what we talk about when we come to communion. Um, we, one of the places we can read about that is Jeremiah 31, where God says, In the days coming, declares the Lord, I will, I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. And I will, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them out of the, their hand to lead them out of Egypt. This is talking about the Mosaic Agreement. Because they broke that covenant, they broke my covenant, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel, declares the Lord, declares at that time. I will put my law in their minds and I'll write it on their hearts. This is what Paul is getting at when he says we're a new creation. We just talked about that. God's recreating our hearts. He's changing us so that we want to obey. And I will be their God and they will be my people. This is why Paul is saying they don't have God because the God, God is the God of this covenant. No longer will they teach their neighbor to say, or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. This is why Jesus is going to be in like a fee, uh, John 17, that to be saved is to know God. From the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. I will remember their wickedness and their, and their sins no more. So, the forgiveness. All of the stuff in the, in, that we're describing in the New Testament, all of it's predicted and imaged by what's going on in the Old Testament with, with the promises to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob and through the prophets. So, before they came to Jesus, they were aliens, they were strangers, they had no hope, they had no God. And this is what you need to remember to begin with, Christian believers, that that's what you were outside of Jesus. None of this applied to you. None of this applied to you. Abraham wasn't your father. 
But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near. You're near. Which means that those things, specific things, now start to apply to you. Now, let's walk through just a couple of things about how, what Jesus has done. But then we'll, and, we'll, and, and then we'll bring it together. This is in, in Colossians chapter, chapter 1. Excuse me, 2. In Jesus, in, G, in, in him, in Jesus, you Gentiles were circumcised but with a circumcision made without hands. And I had it without hands because that's what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 1. Excuse me, Ephesians 2. There's the circumcision by hands, that is, the actual physical thing. And then there's a circumcision that's done by God himself. That's, this is a way of talking about God, right? That's what we can see here. There's this, the called the uncircumcision by those who are made by hands, right? Now, Ephesians, and as we're going to see here, in just a couple of verses down, verse 19. So because of this, we are now not uncircumcised. We are circumcised by Christ, by God, in, in Jesus we are no longer foreigners. We are no longer strangers. We're no longer aliens. We're no longer strangers. But we are fellow citizens with God's people. We are part of his household. Those things are now applying to us. Now, he's still making a distinction between Israel and, and, his, and, and these people, as we're going to see in a moment. But the point I'm trying to make is, look, as he says in Galatians, know then it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. This is how you, get, this is how you become part, have the, the promises to Abraham, the promise of hope. It's through faith. As Scripture, and as, as, as I mentioned earlier, as Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, he preached the gospel beforehand. Interesting that Genesis 15, called, Paul calls that the gospel, saying that in you all the nations will be blessed, so then all those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham because he was, he was accredited faith before he was circumcised. A couple of verses down. Now, all the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. But it doesn't say, and his offsprings, plural, referring to many, says Paul, but referring to one. And which one is that? And to your offspring, singular, who is Jesus. Jesus is, is, is who all those promises end up going to. A couple verses later, for as many of you who were baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. And so there's, there's in him, the biological Jew-Gentile thing isn't the key piece. There's no male, there's no female, there's, there's just one group in Christ Jesus. And if you're Christ, then you're Abraham's offsprings and you are heir to the promise. So being a Christian means that you 
join the lineage of Abraham. He's your forefather. And we have that in Jesus. In him. It's what we talk about with baptism. That we've become, his death is our death. His resurrection is our resurrection. We come together. You know, because all the promises of God find their yes in Him, that is, in Jesus. This is why it is through Him we utter our amen, our glory, because it is in Jesus. As He puts it in in verse 15, His purpose was to create in Himself one humanity, making out of the two, that is, the two general groups of humanity making them making peace and so being a christian is to be part of be part of the of a people part of a nation part of a family you're a child of abraham i mean that's bluntly what it says if you are in christ you are a son of abraham and their heir, heir to the promise but but here's the thing it's it's built on the on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets you can't, you, can't, you can't pull out Jesus from what God's promised to the Jewish nation. You can't do that. We're, th- th- that's our family. We're being, to use Paul's image in, in, in Romans 9, they're the tree. We just get drafted in. With Jesus, and Jesus is the key chief centerpiece of it, where everything holds together. That's what a cornerstone is. It's that it's an arch, and the cornerstone is the one piece in the center that if, if you remove that one piece, it all falls. It's the most important piece. It's the critical piece. That's what a cornerstone is. And so, Jesus, it's all built on everything that's been, all the promises to the prophets, all it's, the, the, the apostles have done, all the promises to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all of those. They find them, they're, they're yes in Jesus. There's no hope outside of Jesus. So you have to be connected to Jesus, who is the king of the Jews. And this is who you are. That's who you are. You're part of a family. You can't, you, can't, you can't just be an individual Christian. As annoying and as frustrating as fellow Christians are, <laughs> and they are, they're family still. You represent Christ to the world, and they represent Christ to you. Because we're one group, guys. Whether it's in China or Ethiopia or Japan or Ukraine or downtown Portland, wherever it is, we're a family. You're part of a group. And that group has a long history. We are all sons of Abraham by faith in Jesus, in Jesus. That's important, which we're probably going to spend a lot of time, most likely I'm expecting to talk about that next week. What is that whole piece, this 15, which Paul is talking about in 15, 16, 17, 18. There's a lot there, and I'm just trying to simplify it here because there's so much. But today the main point I'm trying to make is you're part of a group. 
we have to think collectively because that's the reality of it. There's individual salvation, but then there's becoming a part of the family. The lineage. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would um, help us to understand this and how it, how it affects our lives. And um, I pray, Lord, that, that we would give you the praise you deserve. Um, we pray for, for, for our, our, our family all over the world that they would, be, uh, they would honor you, that we would honor you um, as well. Help us to care about them. We pray for churches all over the world today that is worshiping you and praising you, Jesus, that you would bless them, that you would take care of them, that you would give them the boldness to, to stand for, your, for, for faith wherever they are and, and, and the persecution that happens, that you would open their eyes to see how great and glorious you are. Build your kingdom both here and all over the world, for you are, you are our king. You are our shepherd, and we are your people. Amen. Just a, a comment on your grace is enough. Whenever we do that, which isn't enough, and I, I blame myself for that, but is this song was written as a reminder to the songwriter in a time uh, when things were rough, when he was suffering with a, a pretty significant bout of depression and um, didn't feel like there was a way to, to get out of that. And it was a reminder to himself that your grace is, is sufficient and um, sometimes uh, as we're talking about how humans try to do things to, to make their own way, I mean, where God, where there's times when it's just, we need to like pass that over, to hand that over and have him take care of it. And um, it's just one of these examples, so just as a reminder. He did. You know, um, I, w I want to make a, another pitch for our for our podcast because yet, yet once again, Joe, you, you one of the best things about about my conversations with Joe and, and the podcast and just in general is he'll 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 say something that both either clarifies what I was trying to say or adds a new dimension to it. And you just did uh, when you were talking about that is like. So, so the whole, one of the big points in verses 1 through 11, sorry, I'm, I'm going off here, 1 through 11, because this is a new thought for me, a new, 1 through 11 was that this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. I mean, that was the key idea in verses 1 through 11. Well, it's the same thing here. Can you make yourself a part of Abraham's family? Is that possible? No! <laughs> it has to be something God does for you. It has to be His gift it's the same idea. It's not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. And so it is yet one another thing that just like we've been saying through this entire book, that it is by grace. And it is, so, it is all by God, so to him gets the glory alone.
including that you are now part of his, his household. Mm. Beautiful. So, we come to the table, and, uh, and we remember here, um, one of the beautiful things about communion and why it, it, it just, again, amazes me God's forethought. You know, when you take these elements, you, you eat them, and you are what you eat, right? What you eat becomes a part of you. you it's in you. You are literally what you've consumed. So you, you take his body, you take his blood, and you are now in Christ. You are, he is in you. You become a part of him who is the king, who is the seed of Abraham. Praise be to God. So when you come to the table... The, the call is put your faith in him. Recognize that you, without him, there's no hope. Without him, you, there's no God. Without him, there's no kingdom come for you. But in him, all the graciousness all flows to you, the extreme graciousness. So come to the table and say, today, Jesus, Thank you for making me yours. Come to the table. As we remember that on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and says, this is my body given for you. And he was crushed for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The, pe the chastisement that brings us peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. We all, like sheep, have, laid been, been, have gone astray, but the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so the, our sin is paid for by his death, his punishment. And so you are forgiven, you are clean, you are holy, and you are blame, blameless. After supper, he took, said the cup, this is the new agreement, a new covenant between God and man written in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Come to the table while we sing, you are my king, and then once we have all the elements, we take them together as a, as, as a, as a show of we are, we are a group. We're a unified group. In Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You have made us your own. That in you we have hope, we have, we, have, we have you, God. We get to participate in your coming reign. Thank you for your forgiveness and everything you've done for us. The body and blood of Christ given for you. May the peace of Christ, the Lord of heaven and earth, 
be with you today, tomorrow, and forever. Give you, can give you peace. Give you the grace you need for the moment going before you and following up behind you with mercy. God bless.